You're listening to XVGM Radio. Welcome to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Mike. And I'm Justin. And this is episode 90, Nostalgic Theme Songs. We did something similar to this back in, uh, like, what was it, episode 40? I want to say it was like 42 or 43 or something. Something like that. Yeah. We did 80s or 80s slash 90s songs from like licensed games yeah i think it was specifically 80s yeah um, i think we had like one that was a potential like 90s one and we just kind of lumped it in yeah it was episode 49 licensed properties 80s movies that's it so this time we're doing something a little different but also a little similar <laughs> uh, we are specifically calling out theme songs and you know we may be nostalgic for them we may uh, have some stories to tell about them where mm. you know there may be some nostalgia involved i don't know we'll see but the song that we came in on is uh, making me nostalgic. It brings me back to when you and I were hanging out back when you used to live in your apartment. We went out to like go video game shopping. I found the game. I, uh, we came back to your place and I just like played through it in like yes. two hours. <laughs> yes, yes. That was good times. Yeah. Yeah, the first track was Tiny Tuned Adventures, Buster Bust Loose. This is kind of an XVGM radio meme. We'll talk about, you know, busting loose yeah. <laughs> yes. pretty often. So this came on the Super NES in 1992. This was the theme of Tiny Tune Adventures, and it's by Kazuhiko Uihara and Yuki Morimoto. We'll also be diving into the original composers, too, a little bit, just to kind of share some information about them, because, you know, these are adaptations or arrangements of the original theme. So the original theme for the cartoon was composed by Bruce Broughton. Ah. Uh, he's an American composer. He's done a, a few soundtracks, uh, such as like Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, mm -hmm. Uh, Lost in San Francisco, Silverado, Tombstone, Miracle on 34th Street, hmm. uh, and The Rescuers Down Under. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he, he, has, he has some really good cartoon and live-action composing chops. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Cool to have him on, on the original track. For sure. I mean, I remember watching Tiny Toons back in the day. Oh, yeah. I think I have more fond memories game-wise of the NES game, like the very first NES game. Mm. I think I rented it or something. I can't remember, but I know I never owned it at the time, like growing up. I, I'm pretty confident that I rented it one weekend and was just like, yeah, this is kind of fun. This one uh, we've talked about in the past quite a bit. And I know you're a big fan of it. And I remember yeah. talking to you about the other Tiny Toon game on Genesis. Um, right, right. Hidden Treasure. Yeah, that, uh, was it Hidden Treasure? I think it's called Buster's, Hidden Treasure. Buster's Hidden, Hidden Treasure. Hidden Treasure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to say it was like Montana something, but I, yeah. I think he was just the like the villain or whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, like, this is the only Tiny Toon Adventures game that I ever really played. The, the one on the NES I didn't know about until way later. I, th I think probably when I was in college, you know, looking at, uh, looking at ROMs and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, there was a... Tiny Toons game. Oh, really? NES? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. And so, like, I have played it. I haven't beaten it, mm. but 
by the time I found that, I wasn't really into Tiny Toons at that point. Sure. So it wasn't anything that I like really went back for um, until yeah. you know that time when when we went shopping and I, I picked up the SNES game because I had fond memories of it. But the show as well, uh, funny enough, uh, we, we were talking, or I, it, we made a brief mention of the Tiny Toons adventure cartoon mm-hmm. on uh, Ed and I's podcast, The Arcane Machine, because we played something by They Might Be Giants, and They Might Be Giants had two songs that uh, Tiny Toons did like music videos for. Okay. Particle Man and, oh, uh, Istanbul, not Constantinople. Uh, okay, okay, okay. That's pretty <laughs> neat. Yeah, yeah. The rendition of this theme is really good yeah uh all the instrumentation is just phenomenal i mean everything sounds like it should for a proper adaptation onto the super nes yeah no i, I agree i actually feel like th- this feels a little bit brighter than than what i remember from the show mm. uh and i think that's mostly because just like the instrumentation that they picked like those flutes in there make it really kind of floaty yeah um i really like the, the low brass sounds are really like wop 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 yeah and, and yeah like yeah. they they're, they're just very silly very looney tunes yes yes um, but it's funny because I, I went looking for other iterations of the Tiny Toons theme, mm-hmm. and I just I listened to the other games, and this one just feels the best to me. Sure, for uh, sure. And then it was even funnier because uh, when when we were putting this episode together, uh, I like I opened the document and didn't even look, and I was just like, let me go let me go grab this track because I know that I want to play this, and I put it in in one of my slots, and then I was like, oh wait, Mike already put it as the intro. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Saving you from uh, one of your picks there. <laughs> pretty fun game. I remember watching you play it at my place and was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. I never really played it. I remember like seeing like pictures of it and stuff like in Nintendo Power, but like mm. I'd never played it. So yeah, I mean, it, for it also looked good. The yeah. the NES game that also looked good, but yeah. I mean, it, it had very NES graphics mm-hmm. uh, and the SNES game. I wouldn't say it looked like playing in an episode of Tiny Toons. Sure. But the the character sprites looked really to me at the time. They mm-hmm. looked really crisp, and I I felt more engrossed in it than I would have like on the uh, on the SNES or on the NES when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, it's kind of a standard platformer. Uh, every level is just a different like theme type of a thing like there is so the the track that we played from this previously was from the haunted mansion stage we did that on one of our um one of our halloween episodes right so I mean, we've got that there's like the last stage is basically star wars mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of fun but yeah it's it's it is a very fun platformer and you know memes aside if if folks enjoy like mascot platformers and eh, give this one a shot it's not very hard no <laughs> the show ended in 92, technically. Wow. But specials, they had two specials that aired March 1994 and then uh, last aired May of 95. Hmm. Okay, so here's what's weird about that, though. They continued making Tiny Toon games for a long time, <laughs> like after the show was done. It was pretty popular. Yeah, 2002... Buster's Bad Dream was the final game. There was another one that was supposed to come out called Defenders of the Universe. <laughs> supposed to come out on PlayStation 2 and GameCube, and that got canceled. Uh, both games were made by Treasure, actually. Oh, man. Which, I've not played Buster's Bad Dream, but it's there's a reason for that. It's stupid expensive. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's really cool that they continued making Tiny Toon games for that long. I would have thought that, you know, much like all other franchises, mm-hmm. you know, like kids shows and stuff like that, kind of like a one and done sort of thing like even if this like even animaniacs they continued making games for too until say, like you know the 90s or or the early 2000s i think there was a game that came out of the gamecube so pretty weird 
Pretty cool, though. Yeah, so these composers, Kazuhiko Uihara, just pick up few games because they have a very large history uh we'll go back to their original title which is vampire killer uh on uh the 1986 release uh that is the uh, msx version of castlevania mm-hmm. that's what that is then uh let's go quarth in 1990 and then i'm going to jump to their latest game which was 2003's international superstar soccer 3 they were lead sound producer on that what about Yuki Morimoto? Yeah. Yuki has a fairly brief resume, but uh, we'll start in 1988 with Vulcan Venture. Uh, I, th- I think that was uh, the unalternate name for Radius 2. Yes. Yeah. They also did Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse in 1989. They did sound on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the only credit here that I see that's labeled as music is Poppin' Twinbee Rainbow Bell Adventures in 94. Mm. Uh, last credit being uh, I Want to Be the Guy, the movie, the game. So that's you know, original composition stuff. Yeah, otherwise, uh, in the Super NES, they did Ganbare Goiman Kira Kira Doshu Boku Gag Dancer Nignata Wake. Yes. Which, uh, that was a Super Nintendo game that came out in 95. True, yeah. true, mm-hmm. true. But all that aside, I am I'm a, a pretty big fan of your first pick, so let's, uh, let, let's get into the good stuff here. Yeah, let's do it. So my first pick is from Batman the Animated Series. This came out on the Game Boy in 1993 and is an exclusive game for that system or handheld rather this track is title and it's by yoshiyuki hagiwara and yuko kurahashi Welcome back. That was Batman, the animated series that came out in the Game Boy in 1993. That track was Title. It's by Yoshiyuki Hagiwara and Yuko Kurahashi. Uh, the original theme is, of course, by Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's based on the original like Batman movies, movies. the Tim Burton movies from 89 yep. and uh, Batman Returns. So. Yeah. What a track. Uh, I mean... <laughs> So I, I said before we went in that I like I, I enjoyed Batman the Animated Series. Same. I, it was like the only Batman DC related thing that I enjoyed when I was a kid. Oh wow, really? Um, yeah, okay. I, ju- I just wasn't big into. I mean, I wasn't big into comics in general. Like I liked the X Men cartoon because what kid from the nineties didn't? Sure. And Batman the Animated Series, mm-hmm. and this this track is iconic, and I am surprised, blown away, whatever you want to say, <laughs> about how close they got to the actual thing mm-hmm. considering the hardware like the game boy not that the game boy is garbage or anything like there's sure. plenty of great music that we've showcased about it but knowing that song i'm just like uh, on the game boy it's probably gonna sound a little awkward mm. but i mean they they came in with that opening bass was super intense yeah uh, and then the rest of it was just like 
you, you nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. I did. I really did. I, I did a great job with this one. <laughs> you did. <laughs> this is the only chiptune-related version hmm. of the Batman animated series theme song in terms of, like, released via, like, like a game. Like, yeah. non-Redbook audio, basically. Right, right. It's the only version. All the other, like, Super NES, Game Gear, Genesis, they did not have this song. Kind of kind of neat. It's a, such a good game. It's, like, one of the best Batman handheld games I've ever played. If not the best Batman hmm handheld game for sure you're playing as batman you could also play as robin at some points mm -hmm. during the game but each level is like an episode of the show in the sense that you're fighting a different villain so you start off fighting Joker. You know, you're just going through. It's like an action platformer game. You can use your batarang. You can collect batarangs and use those. Uh, you also get a grapple. So you can use a grapple. Robin doesn't get a grapple, though. He can just hang on walls and stuff and like climb around and drop down and attack enemies. Boss fights are pretty tricky. Like, once you figure out their pattern, it's not so bad. Hmm. But, like, if you've played, like, Castlevania 2 Belmont's Revenge, for example, it's very similar to that in the sense that the game itself is pretty difficult, but very pattern esque mm. so to speak it's, mm. it's a hard game it'll definitely challenge you it has limited continues oh. so you have to beat the whole and like it doesn't seem like it's a lot of levels but the levels are long and they're big so it, it huh. it'll 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 take you a couple hours to beat in my opinion so fair i mean that that's pretty good for for a handheld game like that yeah. that's generally what you want like even even the ones that have batteries. I mean, Pokemon like RPGs excluded. Mm -hmm. um, if if like an action game on a handheld is very long, I I tended to not be interested in it sure. because after a while, I'm just like, there's only so much you can do, it, especially on the Game Boy. Like, yeah. you got two colors, and mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's bad. That's about it. Pretty much, yeah. But this one, I I think you know, if you sit down and actually play it, it's it's a lot of fun. So, nice, yeah. Nice. The composers on this one, Yoshiyuki Hagiwara, uh, starting off with them, they started off their career with Mission Impossible on the, in 1990. That was the uh, Konami slash Ultra Games mm -hmm. release on the NES. Gradius the Interstellar Assault, which came out in 91. That's a really good Game Boy game as well. Just going to skip ahead. This was their final game. 1993. Oh. So they are also credited for art and graphics in Snatcher, 1996 version of the game, which I'm thinking is probably the PlayStation or Sega Saturn port. Mm, considering the year, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking most likely that. Yeah, it's it's probably not the Sega CD version because I think that came out in like 93. Mm. So Yuko Kurahashi is the final composer on this one, and they started with Bio Miracle Bokute Upa in 1988. We talked about that one on the live episode that we did the the oh, retro yeah. the Retro World Expo panel that we did last year. Oh yes. Uh, then they followed it up with SD Snatcher in 1990 and Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake in 1990 as well, probably for the MSX. Then after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Back from the Sewer, they did Gradius the Interstellar Assault again, and this was their final game as well. They're credited for the Silver Case as a video producer. It's a 1999 game, so. Hmm. But that's it. And Danny Elfman, I mean, Batman. Like sure. Tim Burton, you know, that's that if you if you know anything about soundtracks, we've talked about him before, you know, on the show prior. But <laughs> all you got to know about Danny Elfman is la 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 Anyways. Also the Simpsons theme. Yeah. Yeah. That, that too. All right. What do you got for us? All right. So this is going to be a game and cartoon from my childhood. This is Ah! Real Monsters. This is the Genesis game from 1995. The title theme, also the score theme, composed by Greg Turner and Eric Swanson. 
Welcome back. That was the title and score theme for Ah, Real Monsters, ah. the 1995 Genesis game composed by Greg Turner and Eric Swanson. The original theme? The, yeah. The original theme song to Ah, Real Monsters was composed by Drew Newman. Uh, I thought that this was a short one, mm -hmm. but it was not familiar to me. I did watch this show. I just completely don't remember this theme song at all. That That's fair. Uh, so I, I have a lot of fond memories of the show, but it never had a theme song that really stuck in my head. And that's because kind of similar to this theme as well. Like, I feel like this is a, is a very anemic version of the Ariel Monsters theme. Mm. Like the Ariel Monsters theme is more orchestral, but there's no like, there's no lyrics. There's no like really memorable hook. Uh, mm. the, the whole thing about the theme was more, you know, seeing all the monsters and seeing all like, the gross stuff that they're doing before, mm. <laughs> before getting into the show. Yeah, it's yeah. not like, you know, Doug that had like that really catchy theme or, True. or, or anything else. It was... Honestly, it was my favorite Nicktoon for the short time that it was around. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It, it just didn't stick around very long. Like, it did not have the longevity of Doug, Rugrats, no. Red and Stimpy, uh, Rocco's Modern Life. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was really unfortunate. Like, I, I liked just the weirdness of it. It wasn't particularly scary, which is good because I didn't like scary things as a kid. But it, yeah. was, it was kind of on that cusp of like, oh, this is kind of gross and like spooky. 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 Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I, I've always had a, a soft spot in my heart for the show uh, and there's, there's not really very many games i feel like there was this one on the genesis and maybe a game boy game i thought there was a super nes version too that that's right there, there, there was a super nes version i think yeah. it was the same as the genesis version and mm -hmm. i listened to the track i listened to that one and i really did not like that no the, the, the samples <laughs> that they ended up using just did not yeah did not rub me the right way i think i felt the same way about the soundtrack mm -hmm. i i think i remember listening to the super nes version and being like wow this is terrible so <laughs> uh this game i've i think i might have played it I, th I, th I think I recall playing it at some point in time in my life. I just don't remember much about it. And I, I do remember it was not good. I, I remember it not enjoying it, which is weird because I, I did like the show. I was always very excited to see it when it came on. I think the point of the game is you can play as the three different characters. So Ickis, yeah, Oblina, and Crum. And Crum. Yeah. It was kind of three Vikings-esque. Yes. Yeah. You could switch between them. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a cool concept for a game and everything, but like yeah. it just, I, I just don't think it worked very well. I never had a chance to play it, or if I did, I don't remember it, or I've blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it looks kind of cool. Uh, like looking at the... Uh, at screenshots from the Genesis version of yeah, the game. Yeah, it looked good. Yeah it, yeah, it it looked really good. Yeah. The rest of the soundtrack, I have to say, felt about as anemic as the, the opening theme. There's a couple of good tracks on yeah. this one. Yeah, just feels really empty, really That's kind of thing. flat. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of kind of minimalist, yeah. and I just, I, I don't think that that was the right choice for, mm. for, for this kind of a game. Like, not that it's super bombastic or anything. Sure. But, I mean, Ah Real Monsters, like, you need to either embrace the creepy and, like, do something with that yeah. or like fill it out a little bit more. They could have spruced it up a little bit. Like yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It looks like the SNES and the Genesis games got slightly different scores. SNES 54%, Genesis or Sega Mega Drive uh 55%. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's not it's not good. It's not a great game. The show itself, the only thing I really really remember about the show 
was the headmaster, headmaster cross-dressed, mm-hmm. like wore heels. And like when I was a kid, heels, it wasn't yeah. a big deal at all. I was like, eh, whatever, you know, like he's wearing heels. That's weird. That's that's silly. I, I was, was like, wow, that's like different. Like, you know, but like I didn't catch it at all until like I, you know, grew up and then somebody mentioned it like, hey, you remember the headmaster on <laughs> Ariel Monsters? Yeah, he was a cross-dresser. And I was like, oh, I mean, okay, well, whatever. Bugs Bunny was more of a cross-dresser than he is. So the, the headmaster's name is the Gromble. Right. Uh, and like the, the, the cross-dressing is really just he wears red high heels. Right. I mean, his his voice, actually, funny enough, his his voice, if it isn't the same, it is very reminiscent and probably the basis of the voice for him from Powerpuff Girls. Like, oh. He talks like this a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, just an, another interesting, like, cross thing, because, like... He him... yells, too, though. Oh, Like, yeah. he yells at them. Yep. I remember that. Like, I remember he would always get angry at them. Oh. Yeah, like, constantly. Frequently. Yeah. Uh, I always thought Crumb was really gross. Crumb was super Don't gross. Eyes? Yeah, he carried his eyes around, yeah. and he had like these nasty armpit hairs. Oh yeah, and he would like fart all the time. He was just like he felt like he belonged in like Ren and Stimpy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was I, super gross. I liked Ickis. Ickis uh, was cool. Oblina was my favorite. Oblina was was really cool too. Yeah, I thought she was cool. Yeah, she was very snaky. I, I, yeah. I, I enjoyed, I remember there was an episode where she made herself look to be like a candy cane in order to yes. scare a kid. And the yeah. kid took, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good yeah, times. Yeah. So what about these composers? Oh, yeah. We got to talk about these composers. So mm. Greg Turner uh, has a lot of audio credits starting out with composition in 1994 with Wild Steak. And then we'll pick a, just a few other ones here. Gex entered the Gecko in 1998. He did music composition for a Magic the Gathering game called Battle Mage in 1997. Okay. And Heroes of Magic in 2000. And his most recent composition credit is for The Penguins of Madagascar, Dr. Blowhole Returns Again. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got Eric Swanson started out doing Genesis music on Zombies Ate My Neighbors in 1983. And then, again... Pretty long list. Ooh, you'll like this one. Uh, 1994 did audio for MTV's Beavis and Butthead. And then let's go with... uh, Looks like then he kind of went into a lot of sports games. We've got FIFA, All-Star Baseball, Rocket's Camp Adventures. Ooh, Lost Planet 2 in 2010. Oh, cool. He was a Pro Tools operator. Hmm. And then the most recent credit is 2019 Resident Evil 5 Gold Edition. He was the scoring editor. Oh, okay. Yes. Nice. All right. Well, uh, we're going to move into my next pick. This is one of those tracks I talked about earlier where it's like, I didn't watch this when I was a kid, but I have nostalgia for the game itself. Mm. So this is Shoujin Sentai Jetman. This is the Famicom game that came out in 1991. Uh, This track is title screen, and it's by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki, and the original track is done for the show by Hironobu Kageyama.
Welcome back. That was my pick, Chojin Sentai Jetman, or also known as Jetto Jetto Jetman. <laughs> that was very, uh, very bouncy and very on point. So good. That's the Famicom game that came out in 1991. That's the title screen. It's by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki. The original composer on that was Hironobu Kagayama. Mm. So. I have a lot of nostalgia for the game, not so much the show, because I'm not Japanese, nor did I grow up in Japan. Right, right. This is the th series of the Super Sentai series that was that aired right before the season that they eventually adapted into the Power Rangers. Oh. So that first Mighty Morphin Power Rangers season came after this in Japan. Okay. So this was its predecessor. Apparently, they were going to use this one, but then they decided, nah, dinosaurs are cool. Everybody likes dinosaurs. Heck yeah. So they went with uh, the Power Rangers uh, dinosaurs. It was a uh, good choice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chojin Sentai Jetman, though, is great. It's a really good show, and the game is fantastic. It's so good. To start off with the, the show itself, it is a, of course, Super Sentai show. Mm -hmm. And it's a little confusing to watch if you like, if you're just tuning in, like if you've never watched a Sentai show before in, J in Japanese. Yeah. This was the first one I ever watched in, in Japanese. <laughs> Uh, or the original Japanese version, other than like some random clips of like the original Power Rangers just to like get some, you know, context, context so yeah. to speak. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's the 15th entry in the Super Sentai series. There's this group called the Earth Defense Force Sky Force. Uh, that's at least the English version. Um, mm. They have this military organization, and within it is a group called the Jetman or the Jetmen. Mm. Basically, they wear these suits that they are called Burdonic suits. Mm-hmm. They have all these different like weapons, like the wing gauntlet uh, or the bringer sword or the bird blaster, and uh, all of those got terribly mistranslated in the <laughs> game to like wing gauntlet or oh. uh, blinger sword or bird. I think it's like bird braster or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. But there's five different members of the team. There's Ryu. There's Kaori. There's Raita, there's Akko, and Guy. Their colors are Red Hawk, White Swan, Yellow Owl, Blue Swallow, and Black Condor. Hmm. In, in you know in yeah, yeah. in that exact order. The show itself is a lot more adult than like Power Rangers was. At least the American version. Right. I mean, like yeah, there was smoking, yeah. there was drinking, there was gambling. There was all this like more adult talk and discussion. It wasn't like super super kid friendly. You know what I mean? Like so, it was still like for kids for sure. Right. But like the the content within the episode treated the kids more like adults. Yeah, in, I mean, in it, a lot it, of ways. It's, a, it's a different culture in Japan sure. as far as like how stuff goes they, they don't really have much of a problem with uh, things like nudity right, uh, right. They, they don't have a whole lot of nudity in their programming mm -hmm. but like there there were plenty of cartoons in Japan that were for kids that had you know characters taking a bath and mm -hmm. they didn't like in in america they they put them in swimsuits like right, right, right. And stuff yeah like that, yeah so. yeah 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 or like sailor moon and stuff yep, like yep. that yep yep so you're fighting the forces of virem those are the bad guys the game is published by angel time which is a subsidiary of bandai but i believe it was developed by natsume, natsume. yeah and i was surprised because mm -hmm. uh i would have said capcom nope 
I, I, I know. was I was de- I've known about this game forever. I definitely I know the sound of Natsume of yeah. a Natsume game. Like they had like a specific like echo effect oh. that they used in a lot of their soundtracks that like is so specific to them on the NES and Famicom. <laughs> That's why whenever you hear an Ikumizutani track, it may not necessarily be Ikumizutani. It may be Hiroyuki Watsuki or one of the other many composers that Natsume had back mm. then. But they all kind of had a specific sound to them that made them unique and, hmm. and different. I can see where you're coming from with Capcom because it's like a Japanese action music, you know, kind yep. of track. Uh, it's very energetic, very bouncy. It mirrors the theme song perfectly. I mean, when you oh yeah, when you when you listen to the theme song of Chojin Sentai Jetman, it's basically like a J-pop action, exciting sound. I I really really love this game and the soundtrack. The game's a little easy. The hardest part is probably the Zord battles. That's probably the hardest part, but yeah, the game itself is pretty easy. There's six levels. Mm -hmm. There is a battle mode where you can just fight with the bosses. Like, you could just fight the first five bosses. So um, there's that. There's four different difficulty settings. I am pretty sure I've played it on the hardest difficulty and beat it, like, pretty <laughs> easily. So it's it's definitely meant for kids. Mm-hmm. The game is entirely in English. Oh, Entirely in English. Yeah, yeah. Aside from, you know, English. Right, right. Like, with the mispronunciations and stuff. But, yeah, there's not much to it. There's not a lot of dialogue to it. So, But it's, it's a really fun game. Highly recommended. Nice, um, nice. I'll talk about Hironobu Kageyama first. He has been doing, like, Power Rangers related stuff for a while or rather Sentai related stuff right, for a right. while. Some of his more notable stuff is like Hikari Sentai Mask Man. Also he did Dragon Ball Z oh. as well. Yeah, like the original I, th- I, th- I thought that original theme song sounded a little like some of the stuff from yeah. from, uh, from Dragon Ball Z. Not the American version. The Dragon <laughs> Dragon. Yeah, that's Watch the Dragon. Totally Dragon different. Ball Z. Yeah, not that one. Dun, different dun, one. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so that's him and then the composer on this one or arranger rather Hiroyuki Iwasuki one of my favorite composers probably like easily like top 10 for sure. He started off back in 1991 doing sound effects for Tailgater. He worked on a lot of the sound effects for Ikumizutani games, Spanky's Quest, Shatterhand, etc. Um, Ninja Gaiden Shadow was his first like labeled soundtrack, I believe, as far as music composition goes. And then he's just done so much. Pocky and Rocky, Mitsumi Gatoru, which is a really good soundtrack based on an anime. He did the Power Rangers fighting game as well as the movie and uh, the Super NES game oh. as well. His latest game is Ninja Savior's Return of the Warriors in 2019, where he redid the soundtrack. He's been working with Natsume, or Atari Natsume, as they're now called, Mm -hmm. putting out re-released, remastered versions of original games and even sequels, too. So I I don't know if he did the soundtrack to the new Pocky and Rocky game that is coming Um, out. I don't think it's out yet, or if it is, it's only out in Japan. I think it's still coming to the U.S., but I think he redid the soundtrack. Or if he didn't, like, he's credited for the original. But, yeah, yeah, those re-releases are excellent, by the way. (laughs) Uh, And the rearranged music is good, too. So Nice, nice. It's pretty cool. All right. Well, it looks like we're getting a phone call. Potentially a caller request. Could be somebody wanting a pizza. Could be any of those things. Who knows these days. So... But we'll we'll give it a shot. Yeah, uh, Janine, why don't you send that on over? XVGM Radio. Who is this, and what can we play for you? Rangers, it's me, Zordon. Uh, sorry, Zordon. I think you've got the wrong number. No, I definitely don't. I need you to play a song. Oh, well, that's funny. I feel like we just played a sentai. Ah, whatever. What do you got? Rangers. Yep. 
Power. Yep. Morphin. Yes, yes, mighty. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Got it. Uh, Janine, you can hang up on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Zordon wants wow. to hear something from, from, from the Power Rangers. I, I think I got something for him. All right. Um, All right. What I mean, do you got? Well, I mean, what are we playing? Theme songs. So <laughs> yeah, let's play the Power Rangers theme. Yeah, this will be from the uh, the Game Boy game that came out in 1994. Original theme song composition was by Ron Wasserman, and this was composed by Keisuke Nishino. And that was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers from the 1994 Game Boy game. That was title screen and boss theme Mm -hmm. by originally Ron Wasserman and uh, arranged for the Game Boy by Keisuke Nishino. I'm shocked that you didn't pick the Super NES version because it's (laughs) so much better. I mean, they even have like the vocal, the PCM samples with the, you know, go, go, power. It's like it gets cut off right at the O. So it's like, go, go. Power Ranger, but it's like it's really good. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I did listen to that one, and actually, what you're just talking about the PCM mm. samples is the main reason I didn't pick it. Okay, I, I did think <laughs> it was really good, but I also, yeah. I think this is the only Game Boy track that I picked, and okay. I, I actually, I wanted you wanted to diversify a little bit. Yeah, no, sure. if, if I if I remember correctly, each 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 one of my tracks is from a different system. Okay, so I, I wanted to do something on the Game Boy. Mm. Uh, you had already picked Batman, mm. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Sure, the, and and. This this is really good. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it's not like the SNES where it's like you know dead on, but sure. man, it's still really rocking. Like we we were rocking out well yeah, listening yeah. to it. No, like, I mean you can't go wrong with the Power Rangers theme. No. I mean even even the Genesis game, which is definitely the worst version of the Power <laughs> Rangers game in my opinion, yeah. at least. Even that version has a rocking theme. You can't go wrong with Ron Wasserman. Mm, yeah, I know that's true. I mean, the X-Men, 1990s X-Men cartoon mm-hmm. theme, this, uh, he was attached to a lot of Saban stuff, so yeah. I, mean, he, I think he did most of the different Power Ranger themes. So. Sometimes his name gets mixed in with Haim Saban and, and Shukai. It's either Shukai or Shukai. Shukai. Yeah. yeah, Levy. So, no relation, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Call Shukai or Shukai. Get, get him on the show, come get on. Him, get him on the show, man, come on. What are you doing? <laughs> but I gotta say, the movie version of the Genesis game is really good. It's a really fun beat-em-up, and all the music is converted over from Ron Wasserman's music, too. So, aside from the main theme that you hear, all the music when, like, the Rangers are fighting, hmm. you know, or, like, oh, yeah, you know... Yeah. Uh, like, heavy, uh, heavy guitar stuff. Yeah, all that, like, Dave Mustaine-inspired, like, <laughs> vocal lines are all, like, converted into, like, Genesis, like... Huh. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's really cool. Wait, are you telling me that the fight scenes in Power Rangers had 
vocals? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I ever noticed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have like There's a words? bunch of yeah, like I have a bunch of the songs <gasps> oh my from the Power Rangers soundtrack, huh. and they're all really good. I mean, like if you like heavy metal, it's like very thrashy kind of yeah. speedy stuff. Well, that's the thing. Like I, my, my ear always tuned into like the just the guitars. And, yeah. And, like, I mean, I was mostly paying attention to the fighting. Sure. But, like as far as like what I remember from the music, it was always just those really thrashy guitars. Yeah. I am shocked to hear that there were words in any of that. Dude, it's really good stuff. I'll have to play you some. Huh. It's it's a lot of fun. It's just like very energetic, exciting, like thrashy metal mm. and and it's exciting stuff so yeah yeah but th- this game uh looks like it's a pretty short game only five levels each level has uh you know one of the monsters or bosses from the show level sure. one is downtown angel grove and you fight squat uh level two is a quarry where you fight king sphinx level three is a factory where you fight babu mm-hmm. level four is a cave where you fight goldar and then level five is the moon palace where you fight rita repulsa i don't think you ever fight squat in the show like i don't think they ever fight him hmm. I think he's like that bumbling, like, side. Oh, yeah, the blue guy, guy with all the, the blue all the guy weird with the armor. spikes. Yeah. Sounds like this. Yeah, 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 huh. yeah, that guy. Then there's, like, the super tall, lanky kind of dude. Goldar? No, not Goldar. The, like, super nerdy kind of tall guy who's like, um, excuse me. Like, the nerdy guy. Oh. And then there was the other dude. Goldar was, you know, Rangers. You know, like, that was yeah. Goldar. And then there. <laughs> You got these voices pretty dead. Right? Yeah. And then uh there was another dude who made the who made all the uh monsters for Rita. His what? name is Finster. That's the uh the dude who makes the monsters for Rita. He looks like an old wizard kind of but like a like, dog. Like a, a dog wizard. Like he looks like Falcor. Falcor, like yes. Like like a miniature version of Falcor. Yes, yes, exactly. The Americanized version is they they just kept the fight scenes with people in the suits and the monsters right. and then they they replaced all the in-between scenes with American kids in right. in a, a teenagers with attitude. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There's uh, the Red Ranger Jason, the Yellow Ranger Trini, Trini. the Pink, Pink Ranger, Ranger Kimberly. Kimberly. Yep. Blue Ranger's Billy. Billy. Yep. Zach was the Black, Black Ranger. Ranger, and then Tommy was the Tommy green was the Green Ranger. Ranger. Right, right, right. So I gotta ask then, who's your favorite Power Ranger? They put my favorite color and my favorite dinosaur together, so it was J- like it was it was just Jason. Oh like, really? Okay. Favorite color is red. Favorite dinosaur was T Rex. Okay. So all right, all right. Um, I was a pretty pretty big fan of Zach as well, and yeah, I Zach was cool. I was very anti Tommy for a long time. Wow, really? I just felt like he messed up the the like the the, the, the dynamic. Group, the, yeah, the group dynamic. Okay. Um, but I will say, like I my favorite Zord was I, for, I always forget the name of it because it was rarely used it was like the titan tron or whatever it was yeah it was like the brontosaurus that attached to the megazord yeah. and made, it, made it more powerful yeah i think um, it was titanus i th- I think I think you're right. That yeah. that's, that sounds right. Yeah. By the end of the time that I was watching it, I, I liked Tommy a lot more. Mm. But I just when when he first came in, I mean, he came in as a villain, and then True. he got re- redeemed or whatever. Well, he wasn't redeemed; he was just being controlled. Sure. But uh, it was kind of like a, a knuckles and Eggman thing. Right. Right. I was all about the Green Ranger mm. because green was my favorite color, Damn. and I just thought I loved his shield, the chest shield that oh, he had, yeah, yeah. which was super cool. And I was always really mad that Jason got it, like when he lost his powers. Mm. Remember that? He like loses his powers because the candle burns down. 
that Rita gives oh, him. Yeah, yeah. And like Rita burns his candle and it burns down completely and then basically or something like that. And then like Tommy loses his powers mm. and in order to safeguard the shield or safeguard his coin, he gives the coin to Jason and then he gets the shield, the the cool awesome armor. I always thought it was weird because they they had to reshoot like a lot of stuff that wasn't in the original. Mm. So anytime you could recognize the American footage with Tommy in it oh. versus the original because they used like this super cheap looking foam yes, yes. like padded vest instead of like the awesome like rubber plastic yeah. whatever it was and the Japanese one looks so much better like so insanely much better but yeah that's my experience <laughs> with uh, with Power Rangers I was more of a Power Rangers and Space fan like I really liked the first probably the first season of Power Rangers mm. but then when In Space came out like that was my jam like the story was much more adult and it was much more like there was a lot on the line and stuff like that yeah the rest of it was kind of corny my brother watched it and i was like eh, <laughs> i'm done with this yeah, I think it's still going, actually. Yeah, it is, um, for sure. But, yeah, no, I, I don't really remember much past, like, the first couple of seasons. Yeah. Like, I remember watching the movie, because my, my, my brother also got into it. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, I just remembered, like, we are the same age, and our brothers, are, I think, are the uh, same, same age. Same age, yeah, born in 90. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, and, I mean, I remember watching this early, mm-hmm. like, before going to school and stuff, yeah. uh, and I just eventually fell out of it. But I, I do remember the movie and being excited for the movie and thinking that it was kind of cool. I can't remember at what point I fell off, but there was, there was a point at which they, they had changed out the characters so much and I was just like ah, I'm done yeah like, yeah yeah it, it's, it's how it goes for which sure it's how they keep it running but yeah. yeah it just wasn't my thing that five part episode where they introduced the Green Ranger though is super epic mm. it's so good and I remember like trying to hunt down the episodes in college and we ended up finding a local video store that had the whole five-part Green Ranger series on VHS. So we rented it, and then we played the Power Rangers drinking game. (laughs) Anytime there's, like, the blast where they get hit and they see the sparks, so anytime there's sparks, you drink. Anytime the theme song plays, you drink. Anytime Goldar says, Green Ranger, you drink. (laughs) <laughs> or Red Ranger. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there was one that was like you had to take a shot of Jaeger or something like that. Or like a shot of like a mixed you know, Ugh. drink or something like that. I don't remember what that was. But man, we got so hammered. We got <laughs> so blitzed the, playing this Power Rangers The Sparks Ranger thing alone. I'm oh, for like, sure. That's, that's every, every hit is <laughs> Every sparks. episode is Spike. Sparks, right, right, right. Ugh. So yeah, it was brutal to play. So if you ever want to get tanked... <laughs> Play the Power Rangers drinking game with specifically the the five part, the five part miniseries where Tommy shows up and becomes mm-hmm. the Green Ranger. It's nice, nice. Yeah. Real quick to hit on these composers. So Ron Wasserman, he has done composing for video games. He did Battle Beast in 1995. Oh, cool. Monty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail in 96. Ace Ventura in 96. There was a Monty Python video game? Apparently. Nice. I, it was probably one of those like text adventures, I'd imagine. Oh, right, right, right. And then uh, in 1997 was his last uh, game. He did the theme song for I Can Be a Dinosaur Finder. What? Yeah. And then uh, Keisuke Nishino started out doing sound composition on George Foreman's KO Boxing, did music arrangement on Shin Megami Tensei, mm. uh, Digital Devil Saga in 1994, and the rest is all sound. The la- the most recent credit being uh, Megami Tensei Gaiden, last Bible special in 1995. Nice. All right, we're moving into another Japanese property. This did get a release in the U.S., though. It's called Zillion. This came out in the Sega Master System in 1987. The song is called Pure Stone, also known as the title theme and it's by Tokihiko Uwabo with the original composition by Jun Iri. 
Thanks for joining us back on XVGM Radio. This track that we just heard is from Zillion, the Sega Master System game that came out in 1987. Pure Stone, also known as Title Theme, is the name of the track, and it's by Tokihiko Uwabo with the original composition from the TV series done by Jun Iri. Zillion was a, an anime series. It also had a, a movie. It was produced by Tatsunoko Productions. Ooh, Tatsunoko. Yeah, and it has a pretty clear link to Sega. Like, huh? even Opa Opa is in it as a companion robot and ally. But huh. Yeah, before we get into uh, Zillion and what it is and all that good stuff and the plot, uh, tell me, what did you uh, think of this one? So, at first when I heard the Master System track, I was like, it's not bad, it's a little bit shrill, mm. but it didn't strike me as something that was going to end up being as close to the, the original as it actually was. Mm. So, like, we, we listened to a couple loops, uh, and then you put on the original theme from the anime, and I was just like, oh, wow, those sounds are actually pretty close to what they were in the show. The high synth was a little bit on the shrill side, both for comparison and just for my tastes in general. Sure. But once I actually got to hear the comparison, I was like, that's really cool what they're doing with the Sega Master System and getting it to sound as close as they did. You might dig the sequel game. Bajillion? Bajillion. (laughs) (laughs) Zillion 2 The Triformation was a sequel that came out on the Master System followed up after this. The reason I bring that up is because it has audio supported by the FM sound expansion board that oh. the Master System has. Yeah, yeah. So the Master System has a, uh, we talked about this on the actual Master System episode, but it's got a Yamaha YM2413 FM synth chip, mm-hmm. which also supports the standard PSG sound, which is what you're hearing in this version. Right. So that's why it sounds a little shrill, a little sad. I really, this is one of the first games that I hunted down for the Mm. Master System. So I have both Zillion 1 and 2. It kind of inspired me to go check out the series. So I actually have the Blu-ray of the whole series that I got like for a holiday. But uh, I also recently picked up the vinyl from somebody for the movie. I think it's from the animated movie or the OVA or whatever. The song came on. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to it. I was like, man, this is a really good song. Like, I forgot how good this song is. And I was picking tracks for this episode. And I was ah. like, ah, I'm going to pick Zillion. Nice. Because I just heard Pure Stone recently. So that's why I picked it. No real nostalgia for the game itself, other than the fact that when I bought a Master System, this was like one of three games that I bought for it initially. Like, hunted it down, you know, got it. So the games are really cool. They are like Metroid non-linear action but the series the anime series is uh, 31 episodes that were all dubbed into english so it it was released uh, on vhs in the u.s Hmm. so the story on this show takes place on the planet called maris during the year 2387 your characters that you play as in the game uh, i believe it's just a character named jj Hmm. from the game itself but like i think you have to either hunt down or find your other two characters which are uh Apple and Champ. There's this uh, civilization called the Nozas Civilization, and they are led by Empress Admis, who started a genocide program to kill all humans and lay eggs to reproduce on the planet. So these are the bad guys that we're talking about. The Zillion weapon system is distributed, and uh, they're classified as guns. But they are three team soldiers, JJ, Champ, and Apple. So mm-hmm. they're part of a task force called White Nuts in the Japanese version. I know. I know. 
Hawaito Natsu in in Japanese. That sounds better when you say it like that. Yeah, Hawaito Natsu. Uh, right. But they're called the White Knights in the English version, of course. Oh, so, yeah. that's about it. I don't really have much else to say about Zillion, but uh, if you've got a master system, definitely pick up Zillion One and Two. Tokyo Hiko Uwabo, composer on this one, started off with Space Harrier in 1986 as an arranger, possibly onto the master system. Mm. They did Fantasy Zone, Choplifter, Fantasy Star in 1987. So they did a lot of like either the conversions or creations of music for the master system. Hmm. Then they jumped over to the Genesis doing stuff like Space Harrier 2, Fantasy Star 2, Sorcerian in 1990, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. They were the sound advisor on that. They're also part of the Sega sound team where they get credits for stuff like Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Sonic and Knuckles. Their final game they were credited for was as an original composer for Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse in 2013. Oh. So they're credited for the original music, but the last thing that they did soundtrack-wise was Sonic and Knuckles. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The composer on the original, Jun Iri, started off with Zillion, and that's it. They are also credited for the game, too, according to this. Home base music based on Push. Mm. So... That's that. Guardian of Heroes in 1996, they did music on that. So they actually did work on video games, not just yeah. movie soundtracks or anime stuff. Silhouette Mirage in 97 and Mitsumete Night in 1998, where they did arrangement for that Konami game. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you got for us? Okay. So this is going to be from one of my first animes that I was really into as a kid. This is Dragon Ball Z Supersonic Warriors. That's a Game Boy Advance game from 2004. The track is Chala Hedchala Short, and it's done by Studio PJ Co. Limited. Get ready for another wild episode about nothing on Resident Seinfeld. Well, if it isn't George Kinemesis, still trying to kill those pesky stars members? Did you even bother to get a reservation at that Chinese restaurant? Stars. <laughs> I'll take that as a no. Hey, buddy. Oh, hey, Wesker. Did you bring your dry clean to that guy on 5th yet? 
Why, did you set up some kind of elaborate trap to defeat me once and for all when I drop off my laundry? Barry Seinfeld, listen to yourself. I don't even know what you're saying anymore. You're crazy, I tell you. You're crazy. More like you're the crazy one. <laughs> well, I did it. I became the master of unlocking. Well, 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 Jill Bennis. You finally did it. You know what you deserve? A sandwich. No. Please. If I eat another sandwich, I'm going to become one. <laughs> All on the next episode of Resident Seinfeld. Check local listings for NB Capcom. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. That was from Dragon Ball Z Supersonic Warriors. Came out in the Game Boy Advance in 2004. The track was Chala, Head Chala, Short. And it was done up by Studio PJ Co. Limited. And the original for Dragon Ball Z was done by Hironobu Kageyama, who we mentioned earlier. Yep. I feel like the Game Boy Advance version kind of misses some of what is part of the original you know in, in retrospect like yeah. like listening to the original afterwards yeah aside um, from the lack of the lyrics <laughs> sure for sure <laughs> but yeah no I, I know what you mean it the sound quality itself is a little bit off like mm. it sounds to me like they took an instrumental version of the actual right. theme song but like i agree there's something lacking and i i do i can't put my finger on what it is yeah. aside from again the lyrics <laughs> Yeah, I did really dig the original, though, mm. like for sure. I remember watching Dragon Ball Z and not liking it, mostly because it's just way too much talking, way too much, we're going to fight. And I know like this has been addressed before, oh, yeah. like in uh, Dragon Ball Z Kai. Oh, yeah, they cut a lot of that. They the cut so out. much of that garbage out. So I would like to maybe go back and rewatch it, but I was more of a Dragon Ball guy myself, like original Dragon Ball. So funny enough, I never really watched the original Dragon Ball. Oh, really? Okay. Um, not back in the day anyway. So like, my introduction to anime was basically Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. The Japanese opening is so very, very different from the American. Like the American <laughs> version that with that dragon, dragon, rock the dragon. Dragon Ball Z. Like it was cool. And like that riff. The dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. Like that was awesome. Yeah, I was remember cool. the first time one of my friends brought over a VHS with like the the Japanese version with like, with subtitles and everything. I was like, what the heck is this? Right. But by the third episode, I was just like, I was You're singing along. It. Like, yeah. It, it's such a poppy song. Yeah. That's that's how it goes for most like anime TV shows, <laughs> like or OVAs. Yeah. But back in the day mm. when Dragon Ball Z was on, I mean, like, I remember like there was a PlayStation game that I remember seeing like on the rack that was like an import. It's like the first import game I ever saw mm. like on a rack at a game store. And I was just like, whoa, like what? Like imports? Yeah. So I thought that was pretty neat, but yeah. So have you played this game or no? No, no. Mm. So this is the GBA game. So, I mean, it's your classic fighting game. It's character A versus character B. You get mm. to pick from a very large list. We're on the GBA here, so you're limited in what you can do. You're sure. Your, so A is heavy attack, B is light attack. L swaps your characters, your R um, charges up, uh, and then you can do uh, combinations of like R button and B button is like small key blasts, uh, R and A is large key blasts, you mm. can charge it. So like the they, they get around the limited 
button configuration by just letting you combine buttons. So mostly and stuff. just like a fighting game, probably inspired a little bit by the Budokai series, possibly. Yeah, yeah. L- it looks like it. Tell me about Studio PJ Company Limited. Limited. I've never heard of them. Neither have I. <laughs> uh, so they, they've done a, a handful of games starting off in 1995 with Zero Four Champ RRZ. And then in 97, they did King of Fighters 96. Mm. There's not much else that I'm familiar with. Uh, nice On in 1999, Shadowgate 64 in 1999. Suzuki Bakuhatsu in 2000. Oh, Samurai Showdown. Uh, Samurai Showdown 5 Special and Samurai Showdown 6. Oh. They did. Uh, those were in 2004 and 2006. Guilty Gear. Oh, that's why, this is why I know them. Guilty Gear Dust Strikers. Oh, right. That weird one that lets you have like four. The DS yeah. one. Right, right, and right. And like the, the, the foreground and the back. Platforms. Switching. Right, yep, right, yep. right. Uh, they also did Guilty Gear Judgment in 2006. Uh, and then Battle Fantasia in 2008 was the last game that they accredited on. Well, it's a good thing that we already talked about Hironobu Kagayama, because we are getting a call on our Patreon hotline, which means we have a patron who wants to request a song. Oh, cool. Uh, Janine, you want to go ahead and send that on over? XVGM Radio, who is this and what can we play for you? Hey, XVGM Radio. This is Jordan, one half of the Jordan and Anson Davis patron combo. Anson will be sitting this one out, as when I reflect on anything nostalgic, he didn't exist. Computers are ubiquitous now, but back in elementary school, one of the weekly specials was Computer Rooms. That's with a capital C and capital R. (laughs) Everyone got their own Apple IIGS, but it was a lottery as to whether you were getting one of the 20 green screens or one of the coveted three color monitors. You had roughly 30 minutes to rush through your word processing or logo assignments for the privilege of waiting through the diskette box marked Games. And I saw the prices right and couldn't wait to play it. I'd never had enough time to get past the first item up for bids, either a candle or crayons or a box of Pop-Tarts or a six-pack of underwear. Uh, but you were treated to a pretty cool rendition of the long-running game show's theme song before you got to that part, so let's hear that. Oh, and please let this request serve as a reminder to have your pet spayed or neutered. Thank you. All right, then. Well, fair, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, go ahead and play Jordan and Anson Davis's pick. The Price is Right. This came out on the Apple II or Apple IIe in 1990. This is the Price is Right theme, and it's by Wayne K. Hoy and Kevin Cruz, who are labeled as the programmers for this one. That's the only info I could get. And then Ed Kalehoff, who did the original.
Welcome back! That was The Price is Right. If you didn't know that, you are under the age of 18. I mean, the show still exists and the theme song hasn't changed. No, I refuse to believe it. That came on the Apple II or the Apple IIe in 1990. Uh, the Price is Right theme is done originally by Ed Kalehoff and Wayne Kahoy and Kevin Cruz are the programmers on that one. This was really good. Like, I... I'm sure most of us that are in this age range have memories of either playing sick to get out of school or <laughs> actually being sick to, and, and staying home from school and yeah. eating chicken noodle soup with like saltines and watching The Price is Right. Yep, that's, yep, I, yep. That's, I, I loved doing that. Yeah, I mean, even when I got older and mm. I was in like college and stuff, I, was I would just still gonna say I would watch. I, I would still yeah. watch it. Yeah, yeah. No, Price is Right was a lot of fun to watch. My favorite mini game was probably the the wheel, wheel yep. when they spun the wheel. And I saw one episode where somebody spun the wheel and they got got a hundred, like they got the dollar or whatever yeah, yeah. it was. And then the next person spun it and they got a dollar as well. Oh. It was like, oh, it was, it was crazy. So, yeah, it's a pretty fun show. The Plinko is good too. Mm -hmm. Plinko is really fun. I also loved guessing like how much stuff cost. <laughs> Especially as a kid, it's always so arbitrary because you have you have no concept of yeah, money and you value. No, you, have no, you don't go grocery shopping when you're like seven years old. <laughs> you're like, home watching the prices, probably right? probably $20. Yeah. Five oh six. I'm like, oh, right, well, right. I nothing. Yeah. But it's like trying to get it down to like the, the smallest number. So you're like, that costs seven eighty five, And then they're like, yeah, no, it's like four bucks. <laughs> so. Um, Closest without going over. This was a great, like, MIDI rendition of yeah, the, I thought so. the Price is Right. I also honestly thought that this was going to be a lot more harsh, knowing that it came from the from Apple, Apple IIe. II, yeah. Jordan's story about playing on a computer in school back when, you know, we actually had computer rooms. Mm -hmm. My very first computer was definitely the Apple IIe, hmm. for sure. And I remember playing, like, Oregon Trail. Yep. That was the big one that I definitely remembered playing. So, but like, I don't remember any sounds or music that came out of it. And if there was any, it was like super robotic. It was like super chiptune-y. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Oregon Trail actually did have anything. But I, no. I, I do remember some some of the games, particularly when when I was at school. Because mm -hmm. like we had, I don't remember what, what we had, if it was an Apple IIe or what. It was definitely an Apple of some sort. Yeah. Because I, I grew up with Apples and Macs uh, until basically after college. Mm. And... I don't really remember anything that old having having music, but I do remember in school had some of the things that we would play did have music. It was sort of like C sixty four esque, whereas like there would be like title music, and then everything else would be silent, mm -hmm. um, or or sometimes there would be like sound effects throughout the game, like if you were playing like Karateka or whatever whatever that game was. Karateka. Karateka. There you yeah. go. Did you? have the later apple models like in the late 90s early 2000s where it was like this giant like thing with like a handle and it was all multicolored, like see through like the fantastic n64 colors oh that you know what i'm the, talking about the, yeah those were the imax those oh, were the IMAX, early yeah. early 2000s okay okay yeah. i remember those i wasn't a mac guy i was after the apple IIe the first computer i ever owned was an ibm aptiva so I was put on Windows 95, and I was a Windows guy ever since. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. We have pretty solid memories of watching The Price is Right with Bob Barker because nobody watches The Price is Right with... Dana Carvey? Dana Carvey. I like Dana Carvey. No, you don't. Oof. You don't. I'm sorry, Dana Carvey, but nobody likes you. <laughs> don't forget to have your Dana Carvey spayed or neutered. This, this podcast is not sponsored 
by Dana Carvey. Clearly, if it yeah. was, we're done. And you know what? Cleveland doesn't rock. I've been there. Everything closes super early on Sundays. So. That's why it rocks. Everything no. closes and they, you'll party in the streets. No, they don't. Like a There's, madman. No, it is a ghost town in Cleveland <laughs> on Sunday evenings. So, Anyways, the programmers on this one, I don't know. I don't really have that much info on these two. Wayne K. Hoy did The Price is Right and a game called Now You See It. And Kevin Cruz did the same thing. Same thing. Yep. So Ed Kalehoff, we can talk a little bit about, the composer for Price is Right and Double Dare. Double Dare? I wonder if he did the... You remember when like, you're running out of time in Double Dare during the oh, physical challenge? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. He also did ABC World News Tonight and Monday Night Football. Family Feud, too. Yeah, Family Feud, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Let's move on to your next pick. What do you got for us? All right. This next one's a rockin' pick because it's Stone Protectors. This is a cartoon that I barely remember, but it was an SNES game in 1994. Obviously, this is the main theme, and it was composed by Steve Duckworth.
welcome back. That was Stone Protectors <laughs> on the NES. From... You mean the Super NES? Yes. That's you said I mean. the... You I said... did. I did. I screwed that up. <laughs> yeah. But it's okay. It's, it's uh, all right. You know what? Don't worry about it. The, the Stone Protectors will protect us. Yeah. <laughs> um, it came out in 1994. Uh, it was the main theme composed by Steve Duckworth. And I believe the original theme song was composed by a composer named Steve Zuckerman. Oh. I was trying to look him up. There is a director also named Steve Zuckerman. And it's unclear to me whether they're the same person, but it doesn't seem that that's no. the case. Mm-hmm. Steve Zuckerman has also done music for some like Muppets things and okay. other, other TV series. Interesting. Yeah, this is based on the cartoon which in and of itself is based, based on the, the trolls yeah. it, well, the dolls no it's not based on the trolls it's based on the stone protectors because trolls right. are girls <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was always a separation and it was, it was, it was so stupid I mean, so did I. Yeah. And it, 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 was it was dumb. One, it, it was one of the dumber gendering things yeah. that, that, they, that they did when, when we were kids. Stupid. Like, the, uh, the troll dolls were just these naked little trolls with long hair and, like, a stone in their stomach. And right. the stone protectors were the same thing, and I think they gave them clothes. They did. They put or, clothes or, on them because they're or, naked. They made, them, they made them beefier, too. Right, right, right. They gave them muscles and stuff. Yeah, because, you know, everything had muscles back then. It, like, very Ninja Turtles-esque. It, anything that was for boys was super muscly. Yeah, like, I had muscles back then. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even the Transformers had muscles. Like, yeah, I mean, like I was five and I had muscles. It's just, you know. <laughs> this actually got a recent re-release, the Super NES game, through Pico Interactive. It was also released through Windows as well. Yeah. Like, you could get it on Windows apparently, from what I read. But Pico Interactive is re-releasing Stone Protectors for Super NES. It's sixty bucks to get a copy. If you add thirty-five bucks to that. You get a DVD box set with the show, show? Okay. 13 episodes with five never-before-seen episodes. So that's kind of a neat thing. Yeah, as I remember, the show did not last very long. <laughs> no, 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 no. I love the uh, explanation here. Before they found the stones, they called themselves the Rock Defectors. Five sloppy kids <laughs> playing loud and annoying music. But after they fastened the precious gems to their chest... They became the Stone Protectors, dazzling musicians with millions of wild fans. What's more, they became crime fighters with incredible powers. That's the show. It says, hold on, rock defectors, said Corny after his group was thrown into a trash alley even before they finished their concert. Booed off the stage by nasty fans. I think our luck is changing. He unlatched a dilapidated leather box and discovered five glistening power stones. Whoa. The five guys were mesmerized by the glow. And the fries. And and the the burgers. Yes. Wow, that's something. That is amazing. I never watched this show. I think I might have played this game. And it was pretty good, if I recall. But this music, dude, like straight up, very Tim Fallon-esque. And probably, I'm going to assume that, well, I was going to say Software Creations had something to do with it. But apparently it was Eurocom Developments that developed this. Yeah. Yeah. Eurocom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I did not expect the unexpected composer there, but I don't have a whole lot to say about it because I don't have a whole lot of actual nostalgia. Uh, like I, I have seen a couple episodes. That cartoon podcast that I occasionally talk about, uh, it's now just called Cartoon Boom. They did okay. an episode on on Stone Protectors, and oh. it wasn't the worst thing they've ever watched, but it also was not even close to spectacular. Right, it was right. Like, Eh, it, was, it was average, like, 90s schlock. Yeah, pretty much. Most of these uh, cartoons that were coming out in the 90s were just, like, rip-offs of another thing, mm-hmm. you know. And they even started doing it with, like, video game properties, like 
Double Dragon and, you know, uh, oh. the Mega Man cartoon and all that stuff. Mega, like, Mega. Yeah, the absolutely awful Darkstalkers cartoon. Not the anime. The anime no, was great. But man, that cartoon is terrible. The Street <laughs> Fighter cartoon. There were so many bad video game based cartoons back oh, then. God. But it's weird to see a game come out that's based on a licensed property that is actually pretty good. But I believe this one was actually pretty pretty fun. The game itself. So. Yeah, it, it looks it. Like I mean it, it it's a side scrolling beat 'em up. Um I, I thought it was kind of kinda of like a platform, but I, I guess it is more more beat 'em up than anything else. Mm. Uh, and it's it's not bad. It's it's, it's very passable. Yeah. <laughs> Word. So, Steve, Steve Duckworth. Yeah. yeah, we already talked about Steve Zuckerman. So, what? Tell me about Steve Duckworth. Steve Duckworth started out with this game in 1994, and went on to do music and audio in a handful of things. Hmm. Looks like he switched off of music, or at least his credits switched to just audio. Okay. Um, in the early 2000s, but he did music on. Maui Mallard in Cold Shadow in 1995. Oh, nice. Music and effects in Cruisin' World in 1997. Mm -hmm. 007 Nightfire in 2002. And Robots in 2005. His audio credits, The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor in 2008. Disney Pirates of the Caribbean at World End in 2007. Mm -hmm. uh, Goldeneye 007 in 2010 when they brought oh, that back. Oh, right, right. Uh, and his last audio credit is 007 Legends in 2012. Cool. All right, let's move into our next pick. Mm -hmm. This is Cory in the House. This is the best anime ever. Came out in the DS in 2008. This is the main theme. It's by Chris Allen Lee and Scott Clausen, who did the original. But the arranged version for this DS game is by David Jaden Conley. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> that was Cory in the House, the DS game that came out in 2008. That's the main theme. The arranged versions by David Jaden Conley and the originals by Chris Allen Lee and Scott Clausen. 
where do I start? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, my thoughts are, if we keep trolling our listeners, we're going to lose them. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. No, that, so, listening to the actual opening uh, and then comparing it to this, uh, I feel like this is the biggest stretch we've had so far. Yeah, agree. This one feels very empty. Yeah. Uh, It's not just missing the vocals here. It feels like it's missing a soul. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely parts of this song. Like, I had to listen to this, like, two, three times Mm. to really be like, wait, is this based on the song? But it is. You can hear certain things from it, that more, like, funky kind of beat. You can hear the scratching, the record scratching. But, man, what really kills this song is those awful awful keys oh my god they're so they're overpowering so loud they blare out everything else in the song to the point where it's like ugh. like every time i listen to the song i would just want to turn it off because <laughs> as soon as i get to those keys i'm like nope going straight to nope nopesville oh, so man interesting fact about this song is if you sync it up with crash man level from mega man 2 yeah you can just listen to the crash man level from mega man 2 and ignore this <laughs> yeah true <laughs> but no they, they do have some similar you know, progressions and yeah uh, and, and whatnot you just have to like i this is much much slower than i think that you is. just have to close your eyes and and plug your ears and <laughs> plug your ears and then drink some drank oh yeah and pretend this is like a screwed and chopped version of of uh crash man oh man that's it so Corey in the House is a Disney Channel show. It only ran for a year, or maybe a little over a year. Uh, is a spinoff of That's So Raven. Mm. That is so Raven. I, mean, I just like saying that. Yeah. Like, God, that's so Raven. It was a good show. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, it was they're entertaining. Bring, they're, they're bringing it back, too. They're, they're oh, giving her so. like a, a follow-up or something. Yeah, I think it's called, like, Dude where's, so my, dude, where's my raven? Oh, my God. Get out. <laughs> Get out of your own house. Get out of your own house. Go sit on the sidewalk. Yeah. So the show focuses on Corey, who's a member of the Baxter family as part of the uh, Raven Baxter household. Mm. He moves from San Francisco to D.C. Mm -hmm. with his dad. His dad is uh, Victor Baxter because his dad gets a new job. He ends up becoming the White House's executive chef. Mm. It's something else. Uh, (laughs) I've never really watched that much of this. I always preferred That's a Raven to it. But, like, I just, the name itself, like, Corey in the house. Like, we used to make fun of it, like, all the time for dumb reasons. I don't know. But, yeah, not so much a fan of the show. The game itself, I don't really have much information on it, truth be told. It involves Corey, and he's in a house. (laughs) Most Um, likely the White House. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I know, like, a lot of people used to get this confused with that Disney movie that came out, like, the original Disney movie, My Date with the President's Daughter, that had its own theme song. Hmm. My Date with the President's Daughter had, like, a little, like, punk kind of rock song, and that was recorded by Presidents of the United States of America, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah, uh, the characters are Corey, played by Kyle Massey, Newt, also known as Newt Livingston III, played by Jason Dolly. There's uh, Mina Parum, who's played by Myra Walsh, hmm. Sophie Martinez, and President Richard Martinez, I'm assuming the president and his daughter, and then Victor Baxter, who is played by Rondell Sheridan, who's a pretty good character actor. Sometimes Raven makes an appearance to stir up trouble, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, that's that's pretty much the, the show. I don't know. Hmm. I got nothing else. Yeah, no, I know nothing about it. So. Yeah, I also couldn't find 
any information on the original composers. I'm sure it's out there. I couldn't find it. David Jaden Conley also couldn't find anything else. Uh, the only listing I have is on Metacritic, and it literally says, oh, dear, I have nothing to list. So... <laughs> Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So Corey in the house. I don't know why I picked this. I just wanted to be dumb and funny. <laughs> dummy. Mission accomplished. I wanted to be a dummy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's move into your final pick. Yeah. Let's wrap this up with a banger uh, in my eyes. This is going to be Disney's Chippendale Rescue Ranger 2. Electric the- Boogaloo. Yes. Um, <laughs> this came out in the NES in 1993. The track is title and the original composition for the theme was by Mark Mueller. The TV version was performed by Jeff Peschetto. The extended version was performed by the Jets. And this version was arranged, I believe, by Sachiko Oida, Akihiro Akamatsu and Minai Fuji. Welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was the last track of today's Nostalgia Theme Songs episode. That was Disney's Chippendale Rescue Rangers 2 from the NES in 1993. It was a title track originally composed by Mark Mueller. Uh, If you watched on TV, you heard Jeff Peschetto's version. If you ever heard the extended version, you heard The Jets. Mm -hmm. And if you just listened to what we just did, you heard Sachiko Oida, Akihiro Akamatsu, and Minai Fuji in their arrangement. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about this one. I mean, I don't dislike it because it's the Rescue Rangers theme. and It's like one of my favorite Disney cartoons. Mm. Great intro. Like, great theme song to any cartoon like one of the best on uh, disney Hmm. but yeah i don't know this version is so much different than the original rescue rangers game song Hmm. they add a lot of neat flourishes to it which makes it like a lot more like chirpy and vibrant Hmm. but i don't necessarily know if i like it better than the original i don't think i do i think nostalgia is going to take me home on this one oh wow yeah. So that's the one thing I, I guess we'll disagree on as far mm. as this goes. I prefer this to the first game because okay. it, it feels, to me, it feels more polished. Mm. I think if I had to pick a complaint, the only thing that I would say is this feels faster than the original yeah. and it feels just a little too fast. But everything else, like I like the flourishes. I like what they added to it because it feels more full to mm. me. I guess one of my biggest complaints is that some of the notes on this feel like there's no hanging or mm. like a sustain like there is on the original yeah. uh, NES game, the first one. That one had a lot more like, bam, 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 bam. And this one doesn't have that. Mm. You know, it, it kind of like this, bam, 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 bam. Oh, I see. So it's still there. It's still the theme, but it just it doesn't have that. 
Capcom kind of note bend <laughs> that they're super famous for, you know, where they do like the sustain on the, on their notes on a lot of their stuff, especially like the Mega Man stuff, Darkwing Duck, like oh, a lot yeah. of that. Like you listen to all those and they all sound that way. But this was done so late in the NES life cycle. <laughs> I really think like they were trying to make changes and adjustments that maybe didn't need to be made. But hey, that's just me. Yeah. But yeah, this game, very much like the first game, single or two-player, yeah. um, two-player cooperative, you can pick things up, you can throw things around. Graphics are better. Graphics are a little bit better, yep. yeah. My understanding is that they made it, so in the first game, you could pick up your... your boxes. Your, 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 well, you could pick up boxes. You, you could pick, pick up your up partner. The, yeah. the, the other person and throw them around, and I think it hurts them. It does. Um, if you land on stuff, like if you land on the spikes, or you land oh, on... Oh, that's... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But don't, you, I, you can't play this game with people who don't know how to play it, or you can't play this game with little kids. Really, you could just play it by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first one, at least. The first one, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but th- this one, if you pick up your partner and throw them, you can you can hurt enemies with it. I, That's cool. I, I don't know if it still hurts them, um, but I would imagine if 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 they added a mechanic where you can throw your partner to hurt enemies, um, I would hope that it doesn't hurt your partner. Yeah, it is a, a complete sequel to the to the first game. It, nice. I, I don't think it picks up right from where the first game leaves no, off because the first game closes things off. Yeah. But you know, it's you know an- another story. And Fat cats more, in jail. Yep, and then the escapes. And that's all I remember. Yeah. And in, in this one, uh, the rescue rangers catch a news report talking about a bomb that's been set to explode right. at a local restaurant. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, Chip, Dale, Gadget, Monterey, Jack, and Zipper set off to defuse the explosive before it goes off. They corner the rabbit responsible for setting the bomb who admits that it was Fat Cat who ordered him to do it. Right. Because um, he broke out of prison the night before. Yeah. So. It was like uh, supposed to like stall so that he could get away pretty much. Yep. It's kind of a bummer that you can only still play as Chip and Dale in this one like it'd be cool if like yeah. you could do something with Monterey, Monterey. Jack or like uh, Gadget or Zipper yeah I and mean, I mean it would it would have just been sprite swaps it's not like they have special like, sure. characters don't have special powers or anything yeah so. yeah I mean even like just throwing the boxes or whatever would it would have been fine I mean like Monterey Jack could have lifted boxers much faster, faster. Yep. Uh, Gadget could have like used a tool to like throw boxes or maybe collect boxes and then throw them all at once mm. Zipper I don't I mean, know yeah. Could have sucked. I don't know. I have no idea. Just spitballing. Just fl- flies around the stage really fast. Yeah. Well, that's what he does like in the first Sonic game. And Smash. In the first game, the oh, you collect yeah. Zipper as like a power up, and then that song plays. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. This game just isn't as good as the first one, in my opinion. Like you know, aside from the the difference in the music itself, there there are some really good songs in the second game that are really really good. I think it's the second stage is has a great song, but I don't know. It just it felt less snappy, less tight. You know, playing it felt a little bit more harder to play. Yeah, you know, oh, like picking up yeah. the boxes felt a lot slower in the second game. I used to just pick up the boxes, like I would just like run around and just pick up the boxes. So hmm. I don't know. So I know we kind of touched on a bunch of like composer info for this, uh, with the original being uh, composed by three different people. Um, Mark Mueller composed the original song, and then Jeff Paschetto did the TV version. So the original TV version that you heard was performed, I guess you could say, by Jeff. Yeah, and I mean, Uh, he did the DuckTales theme, he did Darkwing Duck, like a lot of the Disney Afternoon cartoons themes that you know were him. The Jets recorded like a special version of the song, and that's always who I thought composed it until yeah. very today like i had no idea i thought the jets did all the versions and then like the somebody 
Maybe they just, like, hired somebody else to do the TV version. I have no idea. Our arrangers here, though, Sachiko Oida, just has a few things. They started out in 1991 as a sound creator on Physical Fighter. <laughs> okay. They did F1 Circus in 92, Milan's Secret Castle in 93. They did the music on... And Super Adventure Island 2, their sound creator, and sold out in 1997. They are a sound programmer. Akihiro Akamatsu, I think, has almost the exact same credits. Uh, yes, with the addition of Power Instinct in 1994. Right. So Manai Fuji's credits are sound composer on Mega Man 4, sound designer on Super Buster Brothers in 90, 1992, Breath of Fire 3, music composition, and Mega Man 10 in 2010, music composition. Yes, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's rocking. Well, this was fun. But now is the time when we have to pick our favorites. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. So what's your favorite? Oh, this one's hard because there's a lot of, there's a ton of nostalgia here. And there is a number of things that I thought were really kind of surprising. All right, like, you, you just, just get to it. Cory in the house. I know it's Cory in the house. I know that's your favorite. Get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, go live with Cory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You like him so much, want to go live with him. Uh, I don't know. The Batman animated series one, I was just, I was so surprised at how good it sounded uh, mm. coming out of the Game Boy. But also... That sawtooth bass, man. Yeah, yeah. But also that uh, Chojin Sentai Jetman was... Was was really popping. My big nostalgia pick would probably be the Dragon Ball Z Chala Head Chala, but I'm just gonna snap back to Batman the Animated Series. Uh, it, it surprised me, and I'm really glad that I heard that. Word. I really forgot about how good Stone Protectors is. <laughs> uh, it's a really good rendition of that Stone Protectors theme song. So. I think I'm going to go with that one mm-hmm. just because it surprised me mm. the most out of all the songs. Like the rest, I, you know, the ones that I picked are, you know, I liked them. Well, yeah. aside from Corey in the house, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I was really digging it. I also really liked your Mighty Morphin Power Rangers rendition for Game Boy. I forgot that it was that good. Yeah. I, I thought it was a lot worse, but yeah. uh, aside from that, Shojin Sentai Jetman definitely has my vote. That's such mm. a good rendition of that theme song. Really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was digging it. What about you, the listener? We want to know what your favorites are because all of this was basically nostalgia for us. Is there anything here that you know? Anything here that you didn't know and you're like, what the heck is that? That sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, leave uh, a comment in our various social media, Discord, email, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> MySpace.gov.org. <laughs> yes. So we'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon patrons, without whom this show's continued improvement would be impossible. They are Alex Messenger, Cam Worma, Chris Hart, Jordan and Anson Davis, Rage Cage, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, Scott McElhone, Chris Myers, Brad Austin, Chris Murray, Llama Adam, Marcus Stewart, Nick Davis, and Ryan McPherson. If you would like to become a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com slash xvgmradio. There you can see the different tiers as well. Just $1 gets you a thank you at the end of the show and access to our monthly live shows. You can visit our website, xvgmradio.com, where you can listen to all the episodes and learn more about your hosts, as well as any of our guests or composers that we've had on the show. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. 
You can join our Facebook group and chat with other VGM lovers at facebook.com slash groups slash XVGM radio, where we talk about everything from current game news to sharing awesome VGM tracks or just talking about the podcast itself. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on both of those sites is at XVGM radio. If you don't have any other social media or just want to try something unique, check us out on our Discord group chat. Links will be in the show notes. All right, Justin, we're coming back with some new jams, some new stuff. So in just a couple weeks, we're going to be coming back with another episode in June. You get one more this month. We will be joining a number of our fellow VGM podcasts in celebrating what we have called the Masters of VGM. So we're going to be picking four composers each. Originally, this was going to be like a sort of like a Titans of VGM or like a uh, yeah. Mount Rushmore of VGM <laughs> sort of thing. You know, composers that we feel are the masters of video game music. So we're going to play you some uh, some really amazing songs by some truly exceptional composers. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a, a fun little thing to do. And then after that, well, you'll just have to wait and see. We got some cool <laughs> stuff cooking for over the summer yes so stay tuned uh this is mike and justin signing off for xvgm radio original composition for the theme was ron wasserman yeah i know (laughs) ron wasserman Uh, original composition for the theme song was ron wasserman wasserman (laughs) wasserman (laughs) who is the arranger and the original composition 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 that's a word (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what? Um, and the rizzle, uh, and the rizzle, and the rizzle. Faux, faux rizzle. The rizzle, faux sizzle. All right. My, One more try. My chisel. Uh, okay. <laughs>